Hebrews chapter 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 twelve, and we are progressing through the book of Hebrews. We're going to couple this couple verses to the outset. Not not a whole lot, you know. Not the whole chapter, okay? Hebrews twelve. If you remember, um, let me just read it, and then we'll we'll get started. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, laying aside every weight, or let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary, fainting in heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word, Lord, it gives us life. It nourishes our soul. By it, Lord, we are encouraged. By it, we are instructed in the way we should go. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use your word. Pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us, nourish us through your word. Encourage and direct us to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. The writer of Hebrews is writing to a discouraged bunch. They have been following the Lord, but then they have been encountered discouragement that made them want to quit and turn away from Jesus. He's at the point now in his, in his letter where it's now coming to a point. He just got finished discussing in chapter 11 all the examples of faith. And now he's saying, he goes from, from sort of example of others to now look to Christ. And the author uses the example or the illustration of a race to describe the Christian life. Christian life is like a marathon, an endurance race. Some of you are like, I don't even want to run across the street. (laughs) But the Christian life is like a race. It is... Uh, the, the word for race is the word is the Greek word agon, from which we get agony. <laughs> it's agony running this long race, right? It's it's a word that 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 that, that used to mean struggle. It, it means conflict. It means. And Paul says, "I have fought the good fight." Same word, right? I have finished the course. Um. Paul, who's not, the, I don't think Paul's the, the author of Hebrews, but Paul uh, uses running as an illustration of the Christian life in many places. For example, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, in chapter 9, he says these, uh, these words. He says, let me just turn to it real fast. I did have it ready. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that those who run in a race, all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Then he says, everyone who competes exercises self-control in all things. Verse 26, I run in such a way that it not is without aim. I'm running a particular direction. And the Christian life has a direction and it has a goal. And the goal is Christ. Okay? 
He says in, in, uh, in the book of Philippians, he says, I press on toward that goal. Right? I press on toward the upper call of Christ. Christ is my goal. I forget what lays behind, but I press on. And so the writer of Hebrews is calling the believers to run, but running with endurance. We'll go back to Hebrews. If you guys left Hebrews, go back to Hebrews chapter 12. He uses that word endurance three times in those three verses. Look what he says. He says, let us run with endurance. He goes, Jesus endured the cross, verse 2. Verse 3, for consider him who endured. Now, the word endurance is the word hupomone, which means hupo means to be under, and mone means to remain, to remain under. When you're running the race, you're you're remaining in the race despite the stress of it all, right? You're you're persevering despite the fact that you're in pain and tired. And I know this because I've run marathons, and I can tell you, I'm going to use some illustrations from that. But it means you are called to run, you and I are called to hold out, to persevere, to withstand, to have the inward fortitude necessary to keep going forward. Why? Because your goal, your goal is ahead of you, not behind you. Your goal is Christ ahead of you, and you press on. And what the writer here is saying, he say, guys, let's press on, let's go forward to the goal, which is Christ. We are called to run with endurance. Some of us are discouraged and we want to quit. Some of us have just decided that it's not worth running the race. Some of us are so distracted, we, don't even know, we forgot we're in the race. Right? We forgot we're in a race. We forgot what the goal was. And Christ is there at the finish line. In fact, uh, when he's describing this in the Greek uh, world, they had, they had a, a sort of like a, a stadium. Right? Some of us who are going to Israel are going to see that. We're going to see it in one of these stadiums, or this long oval thing, you know, where, could, where they had people in the stands and they had chariot races and they had runners, you know. And one of the things, they had somebody at the end, at the finish line. Like that was your goal, your finish line. Is that? It's Christ. He's encouraging us to run with endurance. Now, the question, though, is how? How do you run with endurance in the Christian life, right? How do you run with endurance? So let me tell you a story, okay? Can I tell you a story? Okay, so I get a phone call from my brother. First time I ever run anything in my life, right? I get a phone call from my brother. My brother runs marathons. He, he's an Ironman. He's on like 10 Ironman, which just means he's swimming two point something miles, biking 110, 14 miles, and running a full 26.2 mile marathon in the same day. Yeah, craziness, right? So this is before he did that. So he called me out of the blue. He goes, John, me and a bunch of guys are going to do the P.F. Chang's half marathon in Tempe. Come run with us. I'm like, I don't even have running shoes. <laughs> oh, I'm bringing so-and-so. He's uh, another pastor, and he, he's big and overweight like you, and, and I'm going to help him out. We're going to walk and run the thing, you know? And I'm like, sure, I'll go for it. I called my friend, Pastor C.L., who's coming to Israel with us. I said, yeah, C.L., we're going to run a half marathon. When is it? A week. Actually, it's less than a week. It's like five days. I had to go to the store and buy some running shoes. And I was overweight, out of shape. And my running and training was painful. In fact, I couldn't run across the street to my mailbox without getting tired. But I trust my brother. He knows what he's doing. We ran the half marathon. We walked around and walked around. And let me tell you, every single step of that race, my knees were sharp pain. 
sharp pain, sharp pain, sharp pain, sharp pain. For 13 miles, I was in pain. And I was thinking, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Now, if I'm crazy enough to do that for a, a half marathon in the physical, I, I would hope I'd be willing to do that in the... That was my first time, okay? First time running. I was two weeks later, I was still in pain. I've, I thought, I, am, I have permanently injured myself. What have I done? What I did afterwards, though, was contact my brother's coach and say, now, train me properly. I want to run, a, I want to run and do it proper, right? All of us are we're in the race. We have got a good coach in Christ, amen? amen. Now, there are certain things you have. If I'm going to run, and I, and I had to work up, I'd do the, the 10K, and I did 10Ks, and they did half marathons, and all part of the goal, I remember the first time I actually trained for a half marathon, and I'm running, and you're at the starting gate, and you are with the marathon runners, and you are, you're, you're mixed in, and there's one point where they take off, and they go on their own route, and I remember feeling jealous. I'm like, I want to do that. So I finished that race, came back, and called the coach and said, Coach, I want to run a marathon. Okay, you're going to run a marathon? You need four months at least of training. Hook me up. Let me just tell you this. The race, everything starts with the goal in mind. And you keep, if, if you didn't get anything out of this sermon, just and I'm going to get into the rest of it. It always starts with the race in mind. Right? In a real race, you say, I'm going, to, I'm going to sign up for this race on this date. And you work back four or so months back. And everything that you're doing is leading up to get you into proper place to finish that race on that day. Everything starts with the goal in mind. Christian life is no different, is it? See, if you forget what the goal is, then you'll, you'll, you'll forget your, what you're working towards. And the goal is Christ. He's at the finish line, Right? Now, if you're going to run endurance, you're going to have to put in some miles. You can't just wake up like we did in five days, you're running a half marathon and, and, and feel good about it. No, you are, you're going to put in the work. You're going, to, you're going to put in what it takes. You're going to follow the schedule, and it's going to all build you up. To, to equal. So that's endurance. Now, in the Christian life, there's some similarities to the real life. Okay? The first thing you have to do is this. Okay? How do we run with endurance and not give up? First of all, you need the counsel of those who have gone before. You need their encouragement. Seek the counsel and encouragement of those who have gone before. Your coach, my coach, my brother, others, right? Look at what he says. Therefore, verse 1, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, who are they? Chapter 11 of Hebrews describes everyone from Abel through the whole Old Testament and New Testament beyond those are your examples. They've run the race. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, you know, running is a lot easier when you are encouraged by those who have said, I know how to do this. Let me tell you how to do this. All right? Like when you're running in a real marathon, you're running through neighborhoods sometimes. And you got some guy and his family got the long chairs out and they're like clapping you on and like, keep going, keep going, you can do it. You know, and they're sitting there with their lemonade and maybe they've run, maybe they haven't run, but they're encouraging you, like keep going, you know, and you're and you're 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 encouraged. And these people are like, Yes, go do it, you know. Well, here we have a cloud of witnesses of those who actually run before, right? Those who've actually have um 
who have, who've understood God's faithfulness. The word witness there is the word martyr. It means to witness as well. It means we think of dying for your faith, but also means to witness, to testify is what it means, to testify of the goodness and faithfulness of God. He goes, we have a cloud of those. We have so many of those who are in the stands, so to speak. They're in the stadium, and they're cheering you on, not just as a spectator, but as an inspiration to you. It says, hey, there's so-and-so. They've run this before, right? So great a cloud of witnesses that have gone before. And what you need sometimes when you're running the race, you need somebody to say, hey, it's going to be okay. We've run this before. I can imagine you go into the, and you're running, and you see, you see lovely Sarah, Abraham's wife. She's lovely because she was beautiful, and they... Abraham had, but Sarah, of course, is the one who trusted God and who depended on God, who, as it says in chapter 11, that she considered him faithful, right, to fulfill his promise. But here she's one who is trusting God, and she's barren, and she's old, and she's given up hope for having a family, but she's encouraging. She knows what it's like to live unfulfilled many years and, and to question herself and question her value, but she knows that God has been faithful to his word. Over there is obedient Noah. Noah, who is the only one with his family, but the only one on planet Earth who said, God says, build an ark because I'm going to send a flood and no one's going to believe you, no one else but your family and a bunch of animals are going on the ark. But guess what? You're going to go against the grain, so to speak. You're obedient. And sometimes God calls us to obedience in the midst of everyone doing the opposite. Right? The whole world is saying, hey, come with us, come with us. And Christ says, follow me, I'm going this direction. And Noah says, hey, God's faithful. I got in that ark, he shut the door, and then it started raining. I'm like, oh, there he is. Next to him is humble Moses. Moses who stuttered, who had no confidence. Who, me? You talking to me? Go pick my brother, Aaron, my, my brother Aaron. He can speak. I have no confidence kind of guy. Who is with me on that? God would use somebody with lack of confidence who had a past. He knows what it's like for God to come through with provision and power. And you feel like you have nothing to offer to God. God says, hey, listen, I can use you. Next to him is fearful Gideon. Why would you choose to use me, God? I'm the least of my tribe. I'm the youngest. I'm, like, I'm the guy who's forgotten at Christmas time, God. Keep going. All of them. Look at Joseph. Joseph, who was sold, he was rejected by his family. His brothers hated him. He had to learn that God is faithful to work out forgiveness in his heart. You see, the race is, is challenging. You're running a race. If you're going to run a marathon, here's the thing. If you're going to run a marathon... In real life, it's 26.2 miles. The real race doesn't start till mile 20. And mile 20, it's all heart. It's all, I mean, you know what it feels like to run four miles because you've run it so many times, and six miles, and eight miles, and 10 miles, and then your longest is 20. Well, you get to 20, unless you're an elite runner, I'm not. I'm just a common guy, right? You know, I run, used to run. Stepping on stones. That's not good for running, stepping on stones. Mile 20 is really where it starts. You got six miles left to go, and you're in pain. Your feet are hurting, you're tired, 
I'm not talking an elite athlete if you can do it in three hours, two hours, whatever. I'm talking about a guy who does it in five hours, maybe four hours. That's four or five hours on your feet. Sun's beating down. You're hoping it's a flat surface, but if you go to San Diego, it's all hilly. You turn the corner and you're running on the I-163 and you're running at an incline for about two miles and it's banked. By the way, you've run 19 miles before that. You turn the corner and you're like, couldn't this be a downhill? But it's an uphill. You're 20 miles into this race and you're faced with an uphill at a slant and you're dog tired. That's where the race begins. Some of us are there spiritually, aren't we? We've been running and we're, we're just tired. We're just, and God says, keep going. But you keep going because you can't go back. You keep going because you put in the time to prepare. You keep going because you know the finish line's coming. And you know eventually there's a downhill that's going to come and it's going to help you out. But you keep going because you know you've come so far and you just, you just don't quit. Now maybe you slow down to walk a little bit because your hips are hurting you, but you keep going, right? Look at all these witnesses, these crowds of witnesses. People are cheering you on. That's the first thing you do is you've got to get help. And if there's somebody even who's living, who's ahead of you in the spiritual life, you talk to them and say, hey, help me out here. You're further ahead with the Lord. You've faced challenges that, that God has been faithful on. Let me get encouragement from you. And say, young lady, young, young man, let me tell you how good God has been to me. You know, Be encouraged by that because encouragement is really what you need, first of all, to run endurance. Right? The second thing you've got to do is remove the things that will get in the way and weigh you down. Look what he says here. Let us, verse 1, let us lay aside every weight. Now, it, it could be read laying aside every weight or let us lay aside. In other words, you're not going to run carrying a backpack in your, unless you're running some you know, mountain race, but you're not going to run with ankle weights on your... You're not going to run... You're going you're to try to rest, dress light, right? And if you run with extra weight, it's going to slow you down. You're like, I don't need that. I want to win. And the word there for laying aside is like lay, laying aside, you're taking off an old coat and you're putting it to the side. That's what that word is. It's used throughout the New Testament. For example, it's in Ephesians 4.22. It says, in a reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self that is being corrupted in accordance with lust. Or you lay aside... You used to lie a lot, now speak the truth, right? You used to do this, you're going to lay that aside, you're going to take it off and say, I don't need it anymore, it's going to weigh me down. It's not going to carry me forward to the finish line. Lay aside. You can't run fast if you're carrying too much weight. Uh, speaking of weight, that word also means extra body weight. <laughs> if you're running, if you're going to run endurance, you're going to have to lose the pounds, physically speaking and spiritually speaking. So when I decided to start up for a marathon, I had to change my diet. I couldn't eat the junk food anymore, right? I couldn't eat the, the, the junk food. I had, I had to stop snacking. I cut out the sugars. I had, to, I had to eat right because the saying is, if you run before, the saying is you can't outrun the fork. That means even if you put in all the workout and the running and you're eating terribly, that will always pass you by. And keep you down. So that word means to, to put off the extra weight as it is. So you're going to eat right. You're going to put in the miles, you're going to eat right. Now spiritually speaking, it's this. Some of us, 
aren't really, some of it, not, maybe, not, maybe it's nobody here. Let's assume we're all, but some of us are eating junk food spiritually and living off Bible vitamins and say, that will make me healthy. See, it's what you put into your mind. It's what are you, what are you exposing your mind to and your soul to? Is it the Word of God, the truth of God's Word? Or are you listening to, kind of, are you listening to garbage? Are you watching garbage? Are you, are you reading garbage? What is, that? is that garbage junk food feeding your soul? And you're like, I'll go quick, take a quick vitamin of Bible and that will, that will make me healthy. You're kidding yourself. If you want to finish this race with endurance, it's you've got to be in the Word. And get your encouragement from the Word. And be nourished by the Word of God. Amen? Laying aside. That means put it off. That takes discipline, doesn't it? That means you get up and you do it right. You decide. It makes hard making hard choices. And some of us, and myself included, I, I start snacking with the junk stuff. Physically and spiritually as well. But i got to remember the race is in mind, right? We have a race to run. We're in the race. And Christ is there calling us. Amen? This is a race, and you want to strip off anything that will impede you from finishing that. What are you feeding your mind and soul with? What are you allowing your eyes and your ears to see and hear? Don't just think because you hear a sermon on Sundays that can carry you through the whole week. Come on. That's you got to feed yourself every day. That means you got. It means it has to be a priority. It's important. When you start eating right, your body starts saying, "Thank you. Oh, thank you. Green stuff. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Healthy stuff. No sugars. Thank you." Your mind's, you know, part of your mind's like, "Oh, I really want that Skittles, you know. I really want the." Does anybody eat Skittles? I really want the junk food. I want, oh, I could go for a Big Mac. Ah, and your body's like, I got a race to run, and I am not, I got to be disciplined. Come over here. Right? That's hard to do, isn't it? But if you're serious about running this race, and you're serious about finishing, then you'll do what it takes to eat right spiritually, right? I don't know if I'm talking to anyone. I'm just talking to myself. But let me encourage you. It's worth it, right? It's worth it. What are you feeding your mind and soul with? What are you allowing in your heart and your mind? Runners who want to race to win don't eat junk food. They lay aside that stuff. They they get serious with that. No more spiritual stacking. Third thing. So the first thing was... Looking to to others, to the cloud of witnesses, and these wonderful clouds of witnesses that they encourage us. Secondly, laying aside the weight. Thirdly, avoiding things that will trip you up. That's thirdly. Look at this. And laying aside the sin which so easily entangles us. The word entangle, it means to circle around. It mean, it's almost like having your shoes tied together while you're trying to run. It's going to trip you up. And now, if you're in a race, first of all, your focus is on the finish, right? Your focus is on running your race. Here's, let me just... So while you're running, there's all kinds of things going on. There's people over here. There's, oh, there's a store over there. I think I'll go... go. You know, there's things that want to get you distracted from your main goal. 
You got to pay attention, right? We went hiking to the Gateway Loop. Was it last year? Or a couple years ago. You know the one that's the more difficult hike that we're not doing anymore because it was too difficult. <laughs> very scenic, but very rocky. And it's I don't know how many miles loop. I was running that one time years ago. I was training. It's a beautiful, right? It's a beautiful hike. I mean, it's in Scottsdale. You can see all of the valley. It's gorgeous. It's a little steep. But along the way, it has these, uh, in the path, it has these little stubs of like granite or something. I'm not sure what kind of. There's something. They're, they're, and they're sharp. And so I was running. And I am so enamored with the view. I, I tripped on one of these little things that just kind of just this, this far off the ground. And I tend to shuffle my feet a lot. And I tripped. Excuse me. Sorry. Just woke up the internet. <laughs> I fell so hard. I think I, I must have broken something. All right? What, what happened? I got distracted with even the beauty. All right? I wasn't, fit, I wasn't focusing on where I was going. See, you want, you want to be focused. You're talking about sheep looking ahead. I was a dumb sheep. I was looking over there, you know. I fell so hard, I, broke, I must have broken something. But I kept, guess what? I was so foolish, I kept. I finished the course because I was so stubborn because I wanted to get the, the running and I wanted to get the, the miles and I came home and for a week or so I had, I had issues, you know. What happened is I got distracted, I got tripped up. What's distracting you from your race? What's distracting you? What's taking your focus off of Christ? What's taking your focus off of Christ? Maybe it's problems. Well, if it's problems, I'll look to Christ, you know. Whatever it is, you, you, you've got to run. And it says, it says in verse 1, look what it says. Look what it says. Look with me. Let us run the race that is set before us. You know what that means? It means the course before you, the, the, your race. So we're all running towards Christ, but our, the course in our lives is different for each one of us, right? I may have some uphills and you may have some downhills. I may have some left turns, you may have some right I may have some potholes and you might have smooth sailing, right? Now the key in, real, in running, and this is what my coach would say, run your race. So what you do is you go through all the training and then they give you a race plan. They say, okay, from mile zero to two, you're running. And I ran with a heart rate. Um, I always stay within a certain heart rate that was customized to me, right? And then my coach would say, now when you start, don't look at anyone else. Stick to your plan. So I knew, I knew exactly how, um, uh, how my heart rate and how fast I should be every segment of the race. So zero to two was a certain, then two to like 10. And, and I, my, 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 I was, my, it was like my GPS, right? My coach would say, don't look don't look at that guy and those ladies going way faster than you. Run your race. Why? Well, first of all, they have different endurance levels than you, different training than you. They're, maybe they're lighter and they're younger, you know, and they're more, they've done this a thousand times, you know? She said, run your race. See, what happens is that we get our eyes off of Christ and we get onto some, oh, they're running, I should run, I should run with them. I should be doing what they're doing. And then you get tired out and you're like, I feel like I'm not going to finish. Why? Because you're not running your race. 
you're running their race. Make sense? Boy, it's so easy to do that, isn't it? Here's what happens. This is what my remember coach said. She said, here's what happens. You, you stick to your plan. And those guys who are, unless they're elite runners, which they're not because they're whatever, they're in my corral, which means they're, they're slow like me. You're going to pass them by. So guess what? Mile 15, the same group of people. See ya, you know. <laughs> they, were, they ran too fast. I stuck to my... In the Christian life, it's the same thing. Keep rising Christ, right? Run your race. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. Avoid the things that will easily trip us up. What are the things, the sin? Look what he says in verse 1. The sin that so easily entangles us. And I was asking, it's probably a variety of things, but in the context of Hebrews, you know, in Hebrews 11, the phrase that's repeated many, many, many times, every verse that says, by faith, so-and-so did such and such. By faith, so-and-so did this, right? That was the whole theme is that by faith, they went forward, right? By faith, they persevered. They, by faith, they accomplished. By faith, they, they went on, right? In the immediate context, the sin here is not by faith, it's by doubt, isn't it? Boy, doubt is like tying your shoelaces together. It'll trip you up every single time. You start doubting God, and you might as well just go shopping while you're trying to run a race. You might as well just go and you know, take a break while you're running a race. But that's doubt. Doubt will always trip you up, whether it's doubting God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's provision. Doubt will always... And Natalie shared it. She doubted. She didn't trust God in, the, in that area she shared about. All of this, same thing. It starts with that, right? It starts with that. There are things that can cause us to doubt, things that, de- that call, cause our attention to, to be sidelined, that we're not as devoted to Christ as we once were. Maybe things haven't happened. Maybe our race is not going well because we thought the course, you know, we're, listen, we're supposed to follow the course that laid out before us, right? And to stick our eyes on, keep our eyes on Jesus. Perhaps we're sidelined. Perhaps we, we feel like it's just too overwhelming. We should keep going. So the first, the first marathon, I don't want the sermon... Okay, time out. I don't want to make this about me. I just, I just happened to run marathons in the past, and this is the perfect chapter, and you'll never hear about me telling about this again unless I go to a different chapter about running. But I'm going to just tell it. First marathon I ran was in Vegas, Las Vegas. It was, a, it was the rock and roll marathon. It was at night, and uh, it was cold. So it's at night... And it's, and we're here. We're, so you 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 start in seconds, you know. So you start with a corral of people, and they they let you out at one at a time to kind of space people out, right? So I remember we're standing there, and in the distance there's a huge thunder cloud coming our way, huge storm coming our way. I didn't have as I should have had an extra layer of clothes. I was free. I was cold. The lady next to me is wearing very light clothing, and she's shivering. So that race, we're supposed to run it, and you're supposed to finish it with, you know, there's a cutoff. If you don't meet, pass this cutoff by a certain time, they'll, they'll direct you to do the, do the half marathon. So I had the motivation of, I got the storm coming, and I have to run a certain distance by a certain time. Along the way, there's bands and musicians playing, and it's loud. 
And there was this one, I must have been 18 miles into this race, and there was speakers every 10 feet away, this high, ear level, for a few hundred yards, I feel like. And some, some guy, some young DJ is trying to show off his skills to a bunch of marathoners who are super tired, and it was super loud, super loud. I started panicking because I felt so overwhelmed, right? Everything outside, you know, everything was like distracting. And I had to, I had to stop and I had to sit down. I had to, I had to go just take a, a few minutes to collect myself because I was like, there's no way I can finish this. Because all everything around me is screaming at me. Have you feel like that spiritually? Yeah. Right? Where you're just like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just calling for you. It's just overwhelming. The music. And some people get triggered with the lights, you know, so there's these strobe lights that are do 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 and boom, 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 boom. Right? You're like, stop. You just want to find I, I was looking for the plug to unplug the guy and say, please, just give me some quiet, some peace, right? Try to sit down and pray and say, Lord, help, please help me. I am, I don't want to quit. I'm not a quitter, but come on, your first time, I'm like, and I remembered, I have to run. I have to get past the cutoff. Oh no, I start panicking again. And the Lord, just give me through this. And he, he just focused me back onto, okay, you're going to get past this part. Now it's going to get quieter. Okay, I'm going to bring, and it's freezing. Yes, you're freezing cold. It's raining. You, you're not clothed well. You got loud music. You'll never run this race again because you're tired. Just keep going. And, you need, and the encouragement of knowing the finish line was long, so, you know, was, I was more than halfway. It was like, okay, I'm going to keep going. The Christian life, sometimes we get overwhelmed with all that, right? And then fourthly, I'm going to move on to my fourth point and then we'll finish. If you want to run with endurance in the Christian life, you've got to look at the cloud of witnesses for encouragement. You've got to lay aside the weight that's weighing you down and cast it off. And the sin which so easily distracts is the doubts that causes you to get off course. But the fourth thing and the most important thing is in verse 2. It's following Christ. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. You want to run the Christian life with endurance, then you got to look at this guy, not this guy, not this lady, but him. In fact, the word there for fixing your eyes, it actually means to look away from the distraction and looking to. So it means both look away from that and look to him. Now here's what's really cool. Christ is at the finish line, but he's also in the race as well. Why? So, because he's run this race before, right? He's run the race before. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He's endured some things, right? He understands what it's like to, to, um, to experience the difficulties and the, and the shame and everything, you know, and, and, uh, and he's, there, he's run before us. Now, what's, here's really cool. In, in real life, if you want to run, say, a marathon in four hours or three hours or five hours, you can follow what is called a pacer. And a pacer is a guy or a lady who will run that pace. So you say, I'm going to run it in four hours, let's say, or five hours or three hours or whatever. So you go, you find that pacer. He's holding up a sign, or maybe he's, he's, you, hey, here's the, here's the four-hour pacer. 
And if you stick with that pacer, you're going to finish your race in that time. And in one way, Christ is like our pacer, right? Not only is he at the finish line, but he's also run the race. and He knows how to run it before. He's our shepherd as well. So you keep your eyes on Christ, always looking to Christ, because he knows what to expect. Amen? You keep your eyes on Jesus. And so here's the fourth thing, is you follow the lead of Christ. You follow him. You direct your your attention away from the distractions and focus on Christ. In fact, the whole point of this whole thing is look to Jesus and everything that would distract you or discourage you, you look back to Christ. You start with a race with Christ in mind, but then during the race, you're not only focused on the finish, you're focusing on him. Amen? We fix our eyes in Jesus. He's the pioneer. That means he's gone before. That means he's, he's the, the, the author and perfecter. That means he's the one who's trailblazed. He's lived this. He's established it. And so we're running that path with him. We look to Jesus. When things are out of control, that's a distraction. We look to Jesus. When you have more days than you have dollars, we have more, you, have more, you have so much distraction, or you have, you have uh, things that are roaring you, you look to Jesus. Amen? When you're tripped up, maybe in some sin, or maybe you've wandered, you're like a sheep who's wandered, who doesn't know where they're at, guess what? You look to Jesus. When you're worried about the things of this world that bring you down and not... You just turn on the news for five minutes and you can be brought down, right? What do you do? Focus back on Christ. Why? Because it says that the government will rest on his shoulders, not yours. See, some of us are so weighed down with what's going to happen in this world, you don't realize Christ conquered the grave and he's alive today and he's on the throne. That means everything filters through him, amen? That means everything that happens in your life filters through him. It means nothing gets by in your life without him allowing it. And if he allows it, that means he's like, hey, here's the clue. If I'm allowing it, here's your answer. Look to me. But Lord, da-da-da, yes, look to me. It's going to be a long race, and it's going to be grueling. So if you want to get through, you look to me. Amen? Doesn't mean you do, it doesn't mean you don't know what's going on in the world, but at, at, not at the expense of you taking your distraction and being weighed down. You look to Christ. If you feel like you've wandered off course, look to Jesus. If you feel like your, your life is not progressing where you want to be, guess what? You're looking to Jesus because he is the author of your faith. and the perfect, He's your shepherd. Sheep are really bad at leading themselves, aren't they? We're really bad. That's why we need the shepherd. Praise God. And he knows each one of us by name and each, each race he's given to us by, 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 by heart. Maybe you are like some of us who have lost their confidence. You say, how can Christ use me? Look to Jesus. It's not about you. It's about him. Amen? Uh, maybe you're like, how can, I, I can't, I'm faced with, with, with all kinds of troubles, all kinds of difficulties, how am I going to do this? Look to Jesus. Amen? He's with you. As Natalie so wonderfully said, He's my shepherd who's with me. There's the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Guess what she's doing? 
The doctors can help her. She looked to them. She looked to Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that the doctors can't help. You know what I'm saying. Ultimately, her faith is in Jesus. Now, God can use doctors. Don't get me wrong. There's Stephen as he's preaching and sharing the gospel, and they're about to they're stoning him. What is he doing? He's looking to Jesus. It's so simple, right? But Lord, I, I look to you, and when am I going to live, walk independently of you? Never. The goal is not independence from God. That's what got us into this problem in this world in the first place. Genesis chapter 3. When Paul and Silas were in prison and beaten, guess what they're doing at midnight? Singing praises to God. In the midst of their suffering, they're turning and looking to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's why he could say, I can count all things lost in view of this, the, the value of knowing Christ. Look to Jesus and be sustained. Look to Jesus in confidence, for he's prayed for you. Look to him because he's lived this. He understands what it's like to be shamed. And I am getting some feedback right there. You get my point. Look to him who has endured so much. It says in Psalm 22 that he says, I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men despised by the people. All who sneer at me, they, they separate the lip, they wag their head and they say, commit yourself to the Lord and let him deliver. They're mocking. He understands that, right? He understands what it's like to be reviled. It says in First Peter that while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he offered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges right. He kept looking to the Father. And we live in the world that's going to revile us as Christians. We live in the world that, that's going to want to turn down the screws and make it more difficult. And what are we going to do? We're going to look to Jesus. Why? Because he's the author and perfecter of faith. He's going to bring us to the finish, and he's going to say, hey, come now. Right? Amen? Let's run with endurance. Let's look to him who has who endured the cross. He understands, it says despising the shame. That means he thought little of the shame. He's like, oh, that's nothing. It means to think little. The shame of having to bear the cross and the shame, the ridicule, the shame of them saying, you know, come down here, you prophet, and, and, and let God save you. You know, he thought little of that. You know why? Because if that's all the devil can give you, that's nothing, right? If that's all the devil can throw at you, doesn't change God's view of you or God's love for you. Amen? Let's look to Jesus. Let's run with endurance. Let's follow the example. And let's finish this race. And let's encourage one another. Let's pray with one another. Let's say, I'm in the thick of it, sister. I need encouragement. Okay, let's look to Jesus then, right? Dear Lord, we are looking to you in the midst of this. Dear Lord, it's that simple. Let us look to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we have your son, Jesus, who he's the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. He's, he's at the finish line. He's with us, running with us. He's encouraging us. He gives us the strength that we need. He gives us the direction we need. Lord, let it be that our devotion is strictly on you, not on others, not on sinful attitudes, not on baggage and things that will slow us down, unforgiveness, anger, resentment, fear, worry, 
disbelief. Those weigh us down, Lord. They get us distracted. Let us lay aside those things and look to Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here personally or watching online who has gone off course, Lord, Lord, I pray that they will look to you. Let us look to you, Lord, and run with endurance the race you've set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mom, we stand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Remember, this week, we're going hiking. Easy hike. Okay? We're going to look to Jesus, though, right? We're going to look to Jesus. Remember to sign up for the Passover Seder. The sooner the better that I can get a head count. If you want to help out, I'd love to have you come over a couple days beforehand, or even the day of. Helps, helps, we need some people to help serve the food. We're going to have to help during the Seder as well. Um, and so just, it'll be a blessing. So, Well, let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for, for friends and family here and uh, body of Christ and your bride, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would bless and keep. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And Lord, may we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That may we walk with endurance, run with endurance, being strengthened and encouraged by our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'll see you guys, we will see you guys on Saturday, Lord willing.